I, my wife calls me what, like a soft narcissist and that I have a kind of like a periscope view of the way I see the world and it's all about me. Yeah. And I, I leave a large wake. She's like, yeah, and, and uh, you're, at times you, you do not, you don't stop to make sure everyone's okay. Oh, interesting. Like I had Leanne one time tell a very vulnerable story about me on a podcast and I was like, I was like, yo, what was up with that? She was like, are you being serious? <laughs> that is the voice of the great Bert Kreischer. For anyone who is uh, is wondering, yes, Bert wore his shirt during the interview. Literally, I've, uh, I interviewed Ray Romano yesterday, and that comes out next week. Um, and he and he's and I told him I had Bert Kreischer, and he said, "Did he wear did he wear his shirt?" And he did. But we took a couple photos after, and he lifted up his shirt. Um, this is one of those like sort of long time in the making episodes. Bert and I have known each other a little bit for a long time, and of course we have this thing in common, which is we both are stand up comedians who tell stories. We talk, we really get into the nuts and bolts of that today. It's really really fun. Um, Speaking of which, I'm headed to Washington, D.C. to tell new stories and new jokes this week, Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, at the D.C. Improv. Those shows are sold out, but uh, I think I'm doing a few other new material shows in Indianapolis and Philadelphia that aren't sold out. The Madison ones are sold out. We're, adding, we're also adding more cities. I'm adding some cities through July and August. There's a big announcement about the old man in the pool overseas coming soon that I just heard, but I can't say it, but it's very exciting. If you don't live in America, you might live close to where the old man in the pool is gonna be. That is a hint. That's a hint. Um, the, to be the first to know, sign up for the mailing list on burbigs.com. That, I, you will be the first person to know about any of these tour dates. Um, and if you're feeling generous, join the mailing list and go on uh, Apple Podcasts and, and just say what your favorite episode is of the show. Write five stars. I like the Bert Kreischer. Maybe it's the Bert Kreischer episode. That's today's. I think you're going to love it. We talk a lot about storytelling. We talk, we talk a lot about his, his story, The Machine, which is a very famous story in stand-up because it's very rare in stand-up that you have like a 10, 15-minute story that works. And not only that, he like does again and again and again. Like I think a lot of times he like, Closes with it, encores with it. He made a movie about it that's coming out Memorial Day weekend with Mark Hamill. Who's that? Mark Hamill. Um, you can also check out Bert's Netflix special called Razzle Dazzle. We talk about long-form storytelling. We talk about uh, David Sedaris, who's an idol of both Bert's uh, and mine, one of the, the great storytellers of this age. And uh, I think you're going to love this one. Enjoy my chat with the great Bert Kreischer. I was, what does my wife call it? I was living out of integrity in my stand-up, and she hated my stand-up. Your was, wife did? When I first met her, she was like, you're funny, you're smarter than that. Oh. And I was like, but it works. And she's like, no, it works, but it's you're smarter than that. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then she took me and showed me the blue-collar comedy tour. Yeah. Ron White tells Tater Salad, <laughs> and I go, I'm going in the wrong direction. Oh. I, that's the direction I need to be in. I'm, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm writing fun Cute boy comedy. You know what's cool? You know what's cool? When you go to Jimmy the Brothers? Yeah, yeah. And like I was doing yeah, this Yeah, remember that, that was, time? 
Yeah. Remember the 80s? <laughs> remember Life Serial? Yeah. Who, do you guys remember Radio Shack? It's got Shack <laughs> in the title, people. You know? And so, uh, and so I went, I want to do that, authentic stories about my life. Yeah. And I had done a little bit of it. Like, I had done hints of it at time, but I was I would do a hint and then do so much hacky stuff in between yeah. that I don't think you really got the hint. And then obviously, you know, podcasting changed my value in like what what made me interesting. I wasn't a cute fun boy comic. Like I remember watching Daniel Tosh going like, I wish I had his act. Yeah. I wish I had his act. Yeah. And then I did uh, Rogan and I told the machine and that was a game changer. Oh, that's it. That's what did it. Yeah, the machine, because I had to learn how to tell the machine. I had to learn how to stand on stage in the fucking pocket for 12, sometimes 15 right. minutes and tell a story that was not working. <laughs> oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. And once I learned. So it wasn't working at first. Oh, it was horrible. Because it, it didn't was, have enough jokes? It didn't have any jokes. It didn't have any jokes. And so it was just basically the fundamental, the, 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 the bones of what happened. The bones of what happened, exactly. I, what are the bones of what happened? I signed up for a Russian class. Yeah. I became friends with the teacher. Mm -hmm. I took all her classes. Uh, she then said, we're taking a trip to Russia. My dad said I should go. Yep. I go to Russia. The mob's running Russia. They're living right next door to me. Yeah. I end up becoming really good friends with one guy. And then and then I'm, and in, in the theory of the story, what I, what I feel is important in the story is that I, and I, and I, lo I lower my guard yeah. thinking, oh, the mafia is fun and safe. And then we went on a train trip and we legit robbed a train with two other gangsters <laughs> and, they, and, and they weren't as user friendly as my previous gangster. Yeah. And the whole key is, and, and I thought the end of the story was, you know, we go to the cops. I think I'm gonna be in trouble. My class is sitting right there. They've told on us, we're, here we are, we're getting arrested. And the cop said to me, so I understand you're the machine. Yeah. Tonight you party with us. Wow. And so I thought that was the whole story. And, and but the number one thing I didn't have was an ending. That was yes. the number one thing. Once I, if I have any story that has an ending, if I can have an ending, a good ending, then I am, I can, if I have an ending before I have any of the other stuff, I have the, I can make the greatest story ever because yeah. I have so much confidence knowing that if at any point I need this to end, I can get out of it. Pull the ripcord. Oh. If you have an ending and you're a storyteller, you're fine. Because the story can be two minutes long and it can be 15 minutes long. It could be an hour long. Yeah. And if you can keep finding more, then you're like, oh, I got a one hour long story here. And, and, but yeah, no, it's, it's that, that's a huge thing. Here's what I'm curious about when it was bombing. Cause what's funny is you're telling me that story, even the bones without jokes. Yeah. I'm interested. What was the audience's reaction? Uh, Anywhere from mildly amused <laughs> to calling it a lie mm -hmm. in the middle. This never, this didn't happen. Uh, to uh, to outright losing them, yeah. and then bailing on the story entirely. This, There's a number of times where I bailed. I just bailed on the story in the middle. You know, my sleepwalking through the second story window story is similar to the machine story in the sense that when it happened, and it happened in like 2005. The moment it happened, I went to the emergency room in Walla Walla, Washington, all this stuff. I was like, no one's going to believe this. Yeah. In the moment, I thought, no one's going to believe this. I took out my Canon Elf. <laughs> and I photographed, like, everything. I photographed the broken window. I photographed out the window to, yeah. you know, to the lawn, to the glass. I, photo I mean, I photographed everything. 
Because, I mean, it is a weird thing where you realize that it's very hard to prove that something even happened. Well, you know what happened for me was a girl in my class commented on the video. Oh. That's how, because I had told the story. Yeah. I think most people just thought it was a lie, which was, I was cool with. Yeah. I, I was like, I don't care. First of all, I'm a comedian. My job is to entertain you. Yeah. Did you have a good time? Awesome. Yeah, of Now, if, if you think it's a lie, I probably won't, I won't turn the corner of like getting new fans. <laughs> but when she commented on that video, right, the day I posted it, she wrote, this story, uh, I was in Birch Russian class. I was on this trip. Yeah. This story is 100% true. He fucking robbed us. And then she tagged everyone in my class. And then they replied. Wow. Replied with pictures. And they're like, oh, here's a picture of Burton Arm, Igor Arm Wrestling. And here's a picture of this. And, and what's very interesting is I have since caught up with a lot of those class members. Yeah. And her and another guy remember it almost exactly as I do. Yeah. My teacher does not remember it barely at all. Okay. Uh, my teacher kind of is like, like I even brought up the other head chaperone. She's like, yeah, I don't really. But what it is is everyone's going through their own truth in that moment, their own yeah. life, their own story. They're telling their own story, and they're not going to remember your story. Yeah. And so, and sometimes they just fall out of people's lives, and what they remember is the one thing they did in Russia. Yeah. And so um, – but yeah, it's, I mean, it's 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 uh it's fascinating because I've had it happen to me too. Like my my it happens all the time with my fucking dad. My yeah. dad, I'll tell a story at dinner and my dad will go, This didn't happen. <laughs> yes. And I go, hold on, dad. And he goes, No, I, I'm just saying you got an active imagination, buddy. Yeah. And my sister will be like, Dad, you're wrong. He's right. Yeah. We have this fight going on and on about a van, about a goddamn van. Yeah. I know he had a van when I was a kid. I know he did. My sister remembers it. We picked up my Aunt Judy at the airport in this van. I remember being at Tampa International Airport in this wow. van. I remember my week of first grade, him taking me to school in this fucking van. And he, to this day, is like, I have never owned a van. I've never bought wow. a van. Wow. We never had a van. And me and my sister are like, we had a fucking van. I think it's worth pointing out that an idol of, a shared idol of both of ours, David Sedaris. Oh my God. When he's asked whether stories are true, his answer is, I believe, the best storyteller answer. He says, true enough for you. <laughs> he's, dude, he's a game changer for me. Me too. So, like, I, I, Change, this, life changing, life changing. I know it's going to be hard for people to hear what I'm about to say because they're <laughs> never, they're never going to get it. It's not going to be that hard. No, they're going to, they're going to be like, they're going to, because you can't really talk about anything in the past anymore with any immediacy and talking about how it was because people go, whoa, whoa, whoa. So, like, I didn't grow up with any gay dudes. I didn't know any okay. gay dudes. I didn't know anyone gay. I'm sure I did. Yeah, yeah. But Who just, hadn't come out, probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, and so, and, I would argue now, knowing what uh, I, I would argue, if you met me, you'd, I, I, you'd probably assume I was homophobic, but I wasn't. But I, de I definitely had never been exposed to it. Sure. I moved to New York. A writer named um, Fuck Steve. Uh, I wish I remember his last name. He was the head of Us Magazine at the time. He was a he was a journalist, and so he was a uh, editor. Okay. Uh, but he was he was a really smart dude. Okay. Really, really smart dude. He lived in the village. And the first night I was there, I went out with him and his ex-girlfriend. Me and his ex-girlfriend ended up running into David uh, 
David Lee Roth and Harvey Cattell and Abel Ferrara at a bar. I mean, the crazy. What do you mean like running into them? Mary Lou's like on 13th. Like he happened to know them? No, uh, David Lee Roth recognized me because I've been written up in Rolling Stone magazine. Oh, as the party, number one partier in the Sitting in right the next world? to me, he goes, dude, I just read an article about you. You've got to be kidding me. This is the craziest night. This is absurd. And, and, and You're telling me, just to give context for the audience, <laughs> Bert, in a strange twist, was uh, named the, like the number one college partier in America by Rolling Stone magazine. Yeah, it was and a it, six and a half page article back when like those were those were held for movie yeah. stars. Oh my god! I mean, you just didn't have a big article. People like, like that. David Lee Roth would have articles like him. Yeah, which is why he's probably reading that. So David Lee Roth recognized you at a bar. Wow! And then yelled down to Harvey Keitel and Abel Ferrara, who were at the end of the bar. I was over by, I mean, it was really in the weeds. Who's Abel Ferrara? I think he did King of New York. Oh, okay. And so, I don't know. I didn't know who he was then, and I don't know who he is now. Okay. So, uh, and so, but at dinner, and then we ended up going down to the meatpacking district for my first gay bar experience where like, like, like dudes were like, I mean, it was like insane night. But in that night, this guy Steve said to me, what are you reading right now? I was like, what are you a nerd? Like I don't read. What yeah. do you mean read? And he was like, "Well, you should read a. You should get a good book. You're in New York. You should go grab a book. Have something to read on the bus or on the subway, or just go to the park and have coffee. You're not. You don't have a job." I said, "Well, it's good." And he said, uh, "Naked is fucking really good." Yeah, David Sitter. And, and so naked, I was yeah. walking down Third Avenue, and Naked was being sold, probably bootleg on a table. It was being sold on this a table. This is an absurd story. And I bought Naked. And I and I one of the, one of the greatest humor books of all time in my opinion. Yes, and I, I only thing I was comfortable this is my first like week in New York. The only thing I was comfortable with was the bus because I knew I could just get off at any time and know where I was. Yeah. So I, there was the bus that went up and down Third uh, Third Avenue, and I was on that bus, and I started reading Naked, and the uh, Plague of Ticks is the story, and his mom has the teacher over at his house, and she's smoking cigarettes and. I'm crying laughing, yeah. crying fucking laughing at this story. And this dude sit across the bus and goes, man, I got to ask, what the fuck are you reading? I go, this is the best book I've ever fucking read. This is the best book. And then it gets to the part where I find out he's gay. And I have, I, and I literally said, oh, wait, is this my first gay friend? Like, I don't know anyone that's gay. And, and, I, and I already know I like this guy. Like, is this like... So, like, I didn't know you could have gay friends. I didn't know yeah. any of that. Florida was very, it still is. People, well, I actually, the law's going on there right now, very simple-minded yeah. at times. But I didn't know you could just, like, ha- be friends with a gay dude. Yeah. And so I was like, I was like, I had a, mo- a come-to-Jesus moment where I was like, what man am I? Am I a guy that goes, whoa, 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 closes the book. This is a gay yeah. guy, I'm good. Or am I a guy who goes, oh, I don't really give a shit. And then I worked at Barnes Noble, and I met my actual first gay friend. And then was like, and and we got along so fucking well that I was like, oh my god! Like these are all things that never happened to a frat boy from Florida. Yeah. But that David Sedaris, I fucking that guy has a special place in my heart for the rest of my life. I love that man. I'm curious, like, because this is the this is a question I get asked the most often, and you probably get asked it a lot too. Is like, if you want to, if you're a young comedian and you want to be a storyteller. How do you start? Because you're only getting five minute spots. It's oh, an interesting. That's a really interesting. I, I remember getting. I remember getting. Uh, I remember getting like 
uh, you could get like you know five minute spot at the Boston. Yeah, but I remember DC Benny and I did a storytelling show on 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 Houston. Yeah, and you had to tell one story, and I was so much more proficient. Yeah, at that. Yeah, and I remember going back to the Boston, going, "Why can't I do what I did there up here?" Yeah, and I remember, I remember. You got to like save it as your superpower and just learn how to do stand up. You have to learn how to do stand up. Yeah. Right? You have to learn, learn how to do the jokes. fundamentals of hosting, crowd work, jokes, yeah. how to write a joke. Writing yeah. a joke's fun as fucking shit. Yeah. It's the, it's one of the funnest things to do. And 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 I think that'll all help you explore your personality and then I think after you get competent at that, then you can start leaning into to big longer form stories. Yeah. I can't imagine being I can't imagine doing what I do today and starting with this skill set and going, yeah. you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. I also think jokes are so fucking important, especially when you do a special. Like, I, I really try to jack up my jokes per minute so that, like, and and I, people don't see it because I don't do traditional jokes, but, like, I think I, I just write short stories sometimes. Yeah. Like, I was taking a jog the other day and I saw a homeless woman scratching off a lottery ticket. Yeah. And I thought, what a waste of time. And then I wondered if she saw me jogging and was like, what a fucking waste of time. <laughs> like, those are, it's a story, but it's a, yeah. you know, I don't know. Well, yeah, I always, and, and this is what I always say, is like, you know, like this week at the cellar, for example, I was, I told a story that I was on the subway uh, home to Brooklyn from the comedy cellar from West Forth. And there was it was late, and there's these, oh, these two women on the on the subway, and they start arguing with each other. I'm like, oh no, and it get escalates. Where there's no one else around, and one woman goes, "You bitch," the other woman goes, "You bitch," and I was like, oh, sort of a lateral move. <laughs> and then and then the first woman goes, "You white bitch," and then I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> and the, but it, but the white bitch looked at me, and she yeah. just goes. Like what are we? What are you gonna do? Like yeah. I'm like the white representative, yeah. and I'm just like, I'm not getting involved, you know. <laughs> and great. you know, because and I said, and I said to the audience, I go, if it was my, if it was my own wife, of course I would go. Excuse me, we're gonna go. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Like, but 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 that's an example of like, it's a joke, but it's a story. Yeah, right. It's like it's like something that happened. That fits into, and it's not done like that. The joke will probably have 40 incarnations in the next three years, and then it'll be maybe it'll end up on a special, maybe it won't. Yeah. But chances are, if it ends up in one of my shows, it'll be a subway trip uh, on the way home, and then when I get home, oh. something happens at home. Yeah. That's significant. That's the that's to the, the larger key. story. That's the key is that you get all these little you get these all these little tidbits that. One day, I'm trying to think of a great example of that, where you go, oh, like I have this story about my, I have a story about my dog, us putting our dog down. It's a really great story. It makes me cry, so yeah. I can't tell it. Yeah. It's like, because it's hard, because you, but it's a really great story. Yeah. It was slow and apart. And I took this story about shitting my pants and shoehorned it in there and was like, was like, uh, women, um, I, I was like, my, I didn't, I hadn't cried which was really important. Then I cried. And when men cry, it's like when women shit their pants. And then I go, I shit my pants at a Best Buy one time buying a refrigerator. And I tell that story. And it got, it made it so that the story got so good. You were, you were like, oh, that when I get to the emo emotional part, you allowed it for me. Yeah. But those, I love that. I love that when you have a story that's like, that you're like, it's short. It's good. It's not a great story. Yeah. But then, and then one day you find that if you, if you cram it into if another story. If you drop story, it in. It makes that medium, two medium stories, a banger.
What's your strange? Tell me this. What's your strangest Florida story? Because you're such a creature so of Florida. Many. I have so fucking many. And and also this, because one of our producers, Peter, is from Florida. Why is Florida so strange? I have. A, I want to try a bit out about this. I, I mean, I tried it the other night, but it's not working. <laughs> but we have so many fucking predators in Florida. Yes. Like alligators, snakes. Yes. Fucking uh, people, spiders. People, yeah. There's, uh, there's school shootings. There's, yes. There's, um, yes. This is a good angle. This, is, and, but then you look at Germans. Yeah. They have zero predators. <laughs> oh my god. They don't even have wolves. <laughs> they have zero fucking predators. That's a funny bit. Well, my, well, the funny <laughs> this part. Is, this didn't do well. It didn't. No, you tell me this didn't I, get I said, anyone laughing. I said lightning. We got lightning in Florida. I, this was a joke I wanted to land, and it didn't. I go. I mean, our lightning was so bad we weren't allowed to have giraffes at our zoo. Oh my gosh, that's funny. And then everyone's like, for real? Yeah, and I go, yeah, oh, no. yeah. No, it's too thinky. Yeah. But the, it, all pre- it was all premised off of I was in Hawaii with Isla. Yeah. My youngest, my, both my daughters. And we were doing something authentically Hawaiian. And the guy was very casual yeah. as he walked through the woods. And I said, and he was very casual about everything. Yeah. And Isla, or through the jung- forest, jungle, or whatever. And Isla. Leanne said, like, this this guy's got the aloha mentality, huh? And Isla goes, Mom, there are no snakes here, okay? That's all you need to know about these people. They don't have to deal with snakes. And and Leanne's like, how often are you thinking about snakes, Isla? She goes, every time I walk in the grass, I look for snakes. They don't ever have to do that. And that's Isla's broken brain. But I applied that of like, oh, shit. When you go to places with no predators, no predators, it's got to be fucking... That's why, and then you know, Germans get killed at a crazy clip in Australia. Oh, and really? and, and there was a, yeah. Every sign in Australia says, "Don't swim." There are alligators. And then nine swimming in the alligacodile. Right. And so yeah, every every sign in Australia is in English and in German. Every sign. We're gonna fact check that, and then we're gonna decide whether <laughs> way, or not to yeah, release that to yeah. the public. <laughs> that might be might be wrong. Might be wrong, but. But, but I think the, the the but the joke is great. Like the idea of that Florida has so many predators. Never once in my backyard did I go down to my lake to go fishing and not think a gator could come grab me yeah. and I disappear forever. Oh my god. Is that real? That was a real fear? Oh, very real. Very real. Did I know, you know anybody who had been gator? Of course. We of course there's alligators everywhere in Florida. Everywhere in Florida. Wow. I mean, do we there there was the dude across the lake from me got bit by a moccasin. Yeah. Um, there was a gator. What's a moccasin? Um, it was a cottonmouth. Uh, uh, it's a black snake with a white, big white mouth. And okay. Fucking horrible. But those would be in your yard all the time. They'd be just being in your yard. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Oh, I definitively remember finding a moccasin in our, in a, up, up against a flower bed and being like, Dad. And he's like, get a shovel and kill it. Oh, my God. Gosh. It has to deal with why I have anxiety. I, everyone talks about childhood trauma, and I go, I want to find out what mine was. Yeah. I bet they're going to go, oh, it was from 7 to 15. Like, it was daily. What I want to know, and maybe that's maybe that's what you end up writing your next hour about or your hour after that. For someone who's so confessional, what's the thing in your mind where you're like, I'll talk about that someday, but I'm not there yet? Uh, well, right now it's my daughters. Yeah. Like what they're going through in life and why they're growing into like young women has been yeah. really interesting and really, really bizarre and interesting. But it's too, I can't, 
uh, I can do. I've done it here and there. Yeah, but I can't do it on a special yet. Like I, and which is kind of handcuffing a little bit because I don't know where I'm going sure. from this point forward because I need them to get. I need them both to get out of college before I can start talking about this. I have the I have the ex- almost the exact same dilemma. Really? Which is yeah. I don't talk. I, I don't talk that much about my wife and daughter. My daughter's eight. Just I'm like, it's just like, like, I just feel like it's their own lives. I try to think about what my own lens is, but then also, uh, I don't know, it's hard. It's hard when you're an autobiographical storyteller because it's ultimately, it's your side of the story. Oh, yeah. And comedy is based in conflict. Yep. There's, if uh, there's no conflict, there's actually no good scenes or comedy. Yeah. Uh, there's a joke I wanted to put in the special that I offered Isla ten thousand dollars for. <laughs> oh my god! And she said nope. Oh my god! She's like she actually said I'll get your money when you're dead, so I don't need it now. Oh my god! It's like Jesus Christ! I am. <laughs> she's. I, I remember one time she had something going on puberty wise, and she and it was we were sharing it as a family, and it was so goddamn funny. And I had a spot at the ice house that night, and I'm literally like, oh, I'm taking this on stage tonight. Yeah. She just looks at me and she goes, This doesn't go on stage out of nowhere. And I was like, Okay. Support for Working Out comes from Aura Frames. We all love taking photos on our phones, right? But there's so many of them. Hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of photos wasting away in your camera roll. Stop scrolling through so many photos. Start putting them to good use with a unique, stylish digital picture frame from Aura Frames. I got one of them right by my bedside. It's like a slideshow of photos that I really like from my, of my family that sort of scrolls through on this little frame, this little picture frame. I love it. Free unlimited storage. You can add unlimited photos and videos. Invite as many people as you want to a frame. There are absolutely no hidden fees or subscriptions, and it's private. You have complete control over who has access to your frame. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code WIO. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, code W-I-O. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, friends. This is a little shout-out to my cats, Precious and Mr. Mustache. <laughs> this ad is, is for them. Those are my two cats. I love my pets. I know you love your pets, too. And today's episode is sponsored by the ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program. They offer customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you and me to help your pet get the care they may need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years, and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. They allow you to customize your plan, ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are, because vet bills can really add up, especially when you're least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim, and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCA 
petinsurance.com slash W-I-O for working it out. That's A-S-P-C-A, petinsurance.com slash W-I-O. Again, that's A-S-P-C-A, petinsurance.com slash W-I-O. This is a paid advertisement. Insurance is underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by PTZ Insurance Agency Limited. The ASPCA is not an insurer and is not engaged in the business of insurance. I had a thing where, because you were very sweet, you posted a thing about my wife Jenny's poetry. Yeah, and I love poets. Yeah, yeah, I love I love poetry, and I, I love her poetry. She literally, because she is she, she was literally when you did that, she was like, "Is he making fun of it?" And I go, "No, no, no, Bert's sincere. <laughs> like his whole thing, he actually is sincere." <laughs> but like, but he, but she and I had a thing that was tricky because she had written a poem about me and her and our daughter that was so beautiful that it was imbued in my brain as what happened. And at a certain point I wrote, I said on stage, it as my memory. And yeah. she was like, that's my poem. I'm like, that's not what happened? She was oh. like, no. I was like, aha. But that's, it's challenging because it's like, we're all as writers, we're all writing essentially our side of the story or our version of events or our construction. And those things can butt into each other. Yeah. My wife calls me what, like a soft narcissist and <laughs> that I have a kind of like a periscope view of the way I see the world and it's all about me. Yeah. And I, I leave a large wake. Yeah. And she's like, and she's like, yeah. And, and uh, you're at times you, you do not, you don't stop to make sure everyone's okay. Oh, interesting. And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, like this this one bit about Isla. She was like, definitely it's pretty aggressive. You should have run by her first before you started workshopping it. Like I had Leanne one time tell a very vulnerable story about me on a podcast. And I was like, I was like, yo, what was up with that? She was like, are you being serious? <laughs> she goes, you told it everyone I farted during oral sex. <laughs> And she's like, anything shy of that, I can tell. My gosh, that's great. And then there's things that she will like, like I make this face. I guess I make this face like, I even bringing this up, I think she'll be upset because she goes, I want stuff for us that yeah. not everyone knows. Sure. But I don't know if it's good. I think everyone deserves to know it. What's the thing that you think is your flaw? No. That someday you'll reckon with and talk about on stage. Oh, well, my biggest flaw is I'm sensitive. That's like- I'm, That's not a flaw. I'm overly sensitive. I get my feelings hurt really quick. Really? Oh, really What's quick. an example? I, you know, I like the littlest things hurt my feelings. Sugar is really good at identifying when my feelings get hurt. Yeah. And so he'll be like, I, like he'll, he'll be like, hey man, let's, you know, there's no reason to think about that because that's not real and you're building it up. That's nice. I, I'll take the littlest thing and I'll build it up something crazy in my head. Yeah, and uh, and so I have to learn how to. I, I don't know if I'll ever reckon with it on stage. I think, yeah, I think I. I, I wish I wasn't sensitive. I, I fucking hate it. I hate it so it's much. It's interesting that you describe it as sensitivity because I think it is. Jen, I think Jenny and I, you know, Jen's a poet and I'm a comedian, and we always describe it as having very sensitive antenna, where it's like when you're an artist, you just you take in 
all the stimuli louder. Yeah. You smell it more, you hear it more. I've got a good gut instinct radar. Yeah. Like I can tell, I could, I always could tell if I was getting cheated on before I was getting cheated on. Yeah. I could always tell. I can tell when someone's lying. I can tell, like, I've always been really sensitive to everything. Yeah. Um, But it's funny you put it in relation to being sensitive because I think, like, when I think about what my, the thing that I'll, I feel like I'll eventually unpack about myself on stage, and I just don't know how to do it yet. I literally, there are certain times I go like, someday, is anger. I just get, I get really angry. Like the kind of thing that you're saying about like, oh, this person got fucked over by this. Is like, my somehow my brain goes to a ten in anger. I I have this. I have a mantra. Um, and I don't get. And by the way, and be, my dad had anger stuff, and he used to yell. I so I definitively don't yell. There's no physical violence. So, yeah. like, the only person that hurts is like me. There's like probably ten tumors growing in different parts of my body. I, I have this thing in my head that I always go, "You think I'm weak? Mm. Like, you think I'm weak?" Because I've had a number of instances where people took liberties with me, where I didn't stand up for myself, and they knew I wouldn't stand up for myself. Oh yeah, and then and they knew, they knew <laughs> I didn't like conflict. You so might as well be writing my life story. Yeah, what and, you're saying. And so, like, like. Uh, and and I, I got to a place where I almost got. So like you know, this morning when, when this buddy of mine said, "Just giving you a heads up, this agency." I just heard this agency is trying to fuck you. I start going like, "Is this the day I stand up for myself?" Yeah, because I I've, I've never done. Right. It. I've never. Right. I've I've never. I have a hard time. I worked with a guy who slapped me in the face one time, and I was like. And I think that was the very beginning of me going, but like I also got bullied in high school. I like, did too, yeah. And 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 like and there's something real crazy about getting bullied that where you go, you go, okay, just let it happen. Hey, it's okay. If I if I don't if I fight back, it's gonna be worse. Yeah. So let's just let's just path of least resistance, right? Let's get it over with. Let's get this out of the system. And uh, and and there's no retaliation. Like one of the guys that I got bullied, I always got bullied by very very stupid dudes that were way bigger than me. And very stupid dudes, like yeah. the stupidest dudes. Yeah. And and it was I mean it was the actual dumbest human beings yeah. that were massive. And they, and and you and it was like, I don't know, I had a fucking I had a flag on my head. They would find me every goddamn time. Yeah. And uh and it was always physical bullying, like uh like, you know, slap you on the back or or put throw you up against a wall or yeah. or like uh or like just tackle you like a full-blown full like walk into class as a ninth grader and dude just comes from out of nowhere and just knocks me the clean the fuck out yeah and uh and i and you were in all boys all boys catholic, catholic high school. school yeah and, and, and so was i when i got bullied yeah, yeah. and so, for whatever thing. reason it didn't happen to everyone yeah and it didn't happen long it was freshman year yeah as soon as you start getting older that goes away yeah but it did happen and that shit still happens and i and i start wondering like when will be the day I stand up? It happened, it happened to me with, it's, I mean, it continually happens yeah. where someone tries to fuck me over. And and it, what stinks is I was so happy. It's some people that are uh, above us were happy for their success. And so I've been like, like with everyone. And I yeah. watched everyone succeed before I did, my age. And then when I started succeeding, some dudes got real fucking shitty. Oh, and I was like, oh, wow, so you were cool. 
when I was below you yeah. and you could talk to me yeah. like I, and tell me what to do. But now that we could be considered peers because we're playing yeah. same venues, I'm sometimes bigger than you. Now you have now and and now you have problems with me. Yeah. So you never were the guy I thought you were. Yeah. You never. And then that fucking bums me out. No, I think that I feel like that's been one of the most running themes in my whole life is being the mentor and being the mentee. So you're under people and they teach you things, and then you're sometimes you're over people and you teach them things. And when those roles shift, sometimes it's chaos. Uh, I'll tell you one off air. I'll tell you one off air that, that will blow your fucking mind. I'll tell you a couple off airs. Oh my god! <laughs> and then you get, and then you get someone like Rogan in your life who wants, who really wants you. I mean, look, I'll never be bigger than Rogan. I don't think anyone in our business ever will. Yeah. But like, he wants you to blow up as hard as you can. Yeah. He gets excited. He see, I don't know him well, but he seems genuinely happy for the people. He's his. I think the only thing that makes him happier, I don't even know if he registers or his success at all. I think he watches other people blow up, and that brings him joy. Yeah. That's really interesting. And, and this this is actually a suggestion for any writers listening to. It's like some of the stuff, as you can hear from me and Bert being like, we'll talk about this off air. Some of it, you just write into a fictional movie. <laughs> and no, you don't use the names and you call it a day and, and that's what it is. Oh, that's fucking good. Here's a, here's a joke. This is a new joke. That I'm working on. It's it's it, these are all half-baked ideas that I throw on the podcast just as a starting point. But true story, when I was starting out, I was I was opening for this guy in Cleveland and I'm backstage and I'm writing jokes on my laptop. He goes, How much you pay for that laptop? I go, I don't know, maybe five hundred dollars. He goes, I get you one for I get you that laptop for two hundred dollars. I go, how? And he goes, It's hot. And I was so naive, I didn't even know what hot meant. I was like, What do you mean? He goes, it's stolen. <laughs> And I was like, no thanks. You know, like good little boy. Yeah. He's like, I get it to you for 150. And now I'm thinking, hot seems pretty good. <laughs> you know, I, that's sort of my price <laughs> yeah, range. Yeah, yeah. And then I started thinking, oh no, is he going to steal my laptop from me and, and sell it back? Yeah, yeah. And be like, it's got your files on it, it's got photos of your family. I set you up already. I set yeah, it all yeah, up for yeah, you. Yeah, You'll yeah. love this one. Yeah. That one's called uh, Hot Laptops in Cleveland. Hot Laptops in Cleveland. <laughs> I, have, I have so many stories. I'm just starting to unpack all the stories I have of starting out opening for people. Because like even someone you probably know, a guy in Florida who owned a club down there, he was uh, yeah. opening for me one time in like, I want to say Rochester or something like that when I was starting out. At the end of the weekend, he goes, I didn't know he was a club owner. I didn't know anything. He goes, I, I, I run a club in Florida. He goes, and um, I've decided you're not ready for it. <laughs> I'm just like, I didn't know I was auditioning. <laughs> I'd like to withdraw my nomination. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's fucking so that, hilarious. That's just a random thing I wrote down. And then the other one I wrote down is, is when I was starting out, I was opening for this guy in West Virginia. One-nighter, middle of nowhere, and this guy goes, you live in New York City? I went to New York City once. All I saw was the inside of an abortion clinic. And I was like, whoa. I was like, well, 
you really have to spend a week there to get a feel for the town. <laughs> see the, I'd see the Empire State Building. Yeah. Go, go see the tree at Rock Center around holidays. The abortion clinics are nice. <laughs> yeah, that was one of your things. Oh, that's great. I've been digging into that. Do you have any stories, or either half jokes or whatever, but like, do you have any stories from starting out where you're just like, this is absurd? I mean, the, the early road for me was so... It was so emotional because I was so like, I wasn't the kind of guy that could hustle and get a chance. Yeah. Like I didn't know. Like I remember my first headlining gig came from, uh, uh, I was at Laughs Unlimited and there was this guy, his name, I forgot his name. They owned the Amarillo Comedy Club. They were three brothers and they each had escalating drug habits. Oh, wow. But they, they, one of them was, was a piano player. He's, he's passed. I think they all overdosed. Uh, he passed. He was a piano player for the for the comedy store, and I was opening for him. And he was having a hard time following me. Yeah. And and he went over to the club manager and said, "Hey, uh, you need to get him headlining. He shouldn't be featuring." And she goes, "We don't headline features." And he goes, "How do you think they become headliners?" And she goes, "We only headline headliners." Features remain features. And he goes, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And he looks at me and he goes, I have a club in Amarillo, Texas. Would you like to head the headline next week? <laughs> and I said, yeah. And he goes, he's a headliner now. Why don't you headline? <laughs> and then, and then, and then, and then I, I went to Amarillo the next weekend and his brother picked me up. His brother's name was Kevin. And his brother was uh, addicted to pills and he had fallen and had l- l- very little use of one of his hands. So he'd use this arm to hold the steering wheel. With this arm, he'd smoke a 100 uh, Marlboro yeah. and feather his hair with a brush because he was high. <laughs> and he was just perfectly high on pills. So you see a comb and a cigarette. <laughs> Kelly Moran, Kevin Moran, the Moran brothers. I was really good friend with Kenny, was their youngest brother. And Kenny and I were roughly the same age. And we used to party. I heard Kenny passed away. And then I heard, I know Kelly passed away. I'm sure, I'm, I hope Kevin's still alive. I hope he's, and then that first weekend I did it, guy said to me the first night, he goes, you can say whatever the fuck you want to say. You want to say the N-word? Say the N-word, I don't give a fuck. I hear one GD, I'm pulling oh your ass God. off. Yeah. I go, I, and I, he walked out and I go, what the fuck's a GD? Like, what's GD? And they go, God damn, you can't say God damn. I go, I can say the N-word, but I can't say God damn. <laughs> I go, what kind of fucking rules are these? No, GD is so serious. GD... Because I grew up on GD. My dad used to say it all the time. Oh, yeah. So when I went out into the universe, I was just like, yeah, goddamn, this fucking goddamn car doesn't run. People like, like you go to the South. I started out touring no, South. People were like, like shocked. Yeah. Shocked. And then, yeah, so I would do gigs where they, they would go, you can say whatever you want, no GD. I, I remember that a lot. And the rule was you had to be on stage one hour. I got to sell beers. One hour. <laughs> you need to be on stage for one fucking hour. If, I'm, if you five minutes short, I'm, I'm doxing your pay. Working It Out is supported by Squarespace. Squarespace is an all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. You can upload video content, organize your video library, and showcase your content. On beautiful video pages, you can even access your video library by adding a paywall to your content. My God. 
Squarespace is keeping up with the times. They're the forerunners of the industry. They're way ahead of us and right with us. I made up that slogan. I should point out that this is an ad for Squarespace, but I love Squarespace. Our website for Thank God for Jokes was Squarespace. Our website for Stand Up and Vote was Squarespace. Couldn't recommend it more highly. We use it all the time. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, head to squarespace.com slash burbigs, B-I-R-B-I-G-S, to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash burbigs to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Support for Mike Burbiglia's Working It Out comes from Helix Sleep. Helix has been with this podcast from the very beginning. We are huge Helix mattress fans over here. Let me tell you a few things that are great about Helix Sleep mattresses. They are fiberglass-free. Unlike other brands, Helix mattresses do not contain fiberglass, which can be harmful to your health. As you may have seen in the news or on social media, there have been a number of health issues and lawsuits related to fiberglass and mattresses. You know, actually, I used to, I used to have a mattress that was pure fiberglass. It was just, it was literally a bed of fiberglass. No longer. I sleep on Helix mattresses, which are fiberglass-free. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash burbigs. That's helixsleep.com slash burbigs. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts now. No, now. <laughs> I just knew one about my wife where I go. My, my wife loves me. The other day she made me pancake. I go, you heard that correctly. It was just the one pancake. She made my daughter pancakes. She made about four. She made me pancake. And I think like she loves me because like that, you know, she's aware of my health profile. And yeah. My health profile should have about pancake. She had pancake. <laughs> and so I wanted to do, and I go, I, I wanted to do something sweet for her because in, in marriage, we're all keeping score. Yeah. Uh, which I'm trying to blow out this idea of like we're all keeping score, even though we say we're not keeping score. We're, yeah. keep, we're keeping I'm already, score. I can't, I'm going too fast. I'm, write, I'm writing, keep going. Yeah, keep yeah, going, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so then I go to like her favorite cafe and I get her coffee. And like the, and like coffee these days, like literally the price changes in real time. Like you go yeah. in, I'm like, they're like, it's $6. I'm like, what? They're like, it's $9. I'm like, what? They're like, it's $17. I'm like, what? They're like, we're closed. And then the guy, on the, and I'm still holding like $45 worth of coffee. And the guy goes, do you want pastries with this? I go, my wife made me pancake. And he goes, what? I go, make me pancake. He goes, what? I go, we're closed. And, uh, <laughs> so anyway, that's like a, that's a little segment of a thing I've been working out. I thought you were going to say my wife made me pancake. And I really was appreciated how she is aware of my health profile and she knew this is what I needed. So that night I gave her a sec. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Or, or something. There's something to that. I always go, I always like... The singles and the plurals, the various yeah, singles, yeah. singulars and plurals. Various singles I, I gave. That's funny. <laughs> but um, I'm trying to write a few. Uh, my daughters, I, I'm trying to write a bit about my daughters today, their, their personalities today. Yeah. Because they've just changed. They're And I, I have a little bit in this special. Yeah. They're bullies, and uh, I have a little bit in this special, but I, I would love to... 
I love to, I'm, I'm excited. We'll take a trip this summer. We'll yeah. all take a trip and then I'll get a bid out of that. That's interesting. Yeah. I usually That's that, such a comic thing to say. Yeah, oh. I'm going on a trip. I'll get a bid out of that. We went scoop, we went uh, snorkeling in Bali and I realized I only like my daughters when they're scared. Yeah. Like they're, uh, so their only real capacity to love me is when they're terrified. That's so funny. I hate a confident child. Oh, that's so funny. I have a thing where I'm like, my daughter's at eight, so it's like joyous. You know, she loves me. She loves, it's the loves best. us. Oh, it's she's the so great. Best. She's so great. I can't live in the present. And so my mind goes to her 16 year old self mm -hmm. that's like, my dad's garbage. You know what I mean? And <laughs> I was there. I was yeah, there. Yeah. And, and, and of course, you know, now, you know, when I was younger, we used to disregard kids. Like, no one listened to us, but now I'm going to have to be like, she's so brave. I am garbage. Oh, she's so well, right. You know what my daughter did to me? So, she, beginning of the pandemic, she's like 15, 15 maybe. And she will ask if she can go on bike rides with her friends. I go, hey guys, I, I'm weird about breaking rules. I don't want you breaking the rules. She's like, Dad, it's just a bike ride. I said, nothing bad's happening, right? She's like, no. I said, no one's like getting close together. And I was like, no, no one's getting close together. And uh, and and then I found out that they were going out and they were smoking weed and drinking white oh claws. And so I was like, and, and, it, and, and what I did was I decided I'm going to take my energy here yeah. and let her know how fucking angry she, I am and how much of trouble she is. Yeah. And what I did is I created a paradigm within which she knew, she knew as how hard the dog could bark and how hard his bite felt. So she's like, well, there's no reason to ever tell him the fucking truth because if I get caught lying, it's going there anyway. Right. He's not going to get twice as mad if he guys catches me lying. Yeah. I might as well just fucking live in the lie. Yeah. And because he's going to yell. Yelling is what happened. And it wasn't until I didn't yell and I didn't punish her for her. She was sneaking with friends in her car and driving around town. Yeah. I didn't yell and I didn't punish her that she started listening and yeah. giving up and being like, you're not mad? I go, no, I'm furious, but I'm not going to yell at you because that doesn't do anything. Right. And so I learned with her and we, me and her, me and Georgia are doing great now. Yeah. But we had like a fucking, like if we were dating, we would have broken up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we would have broken up. And our our roommate would have been like, "You guys aren't good together." <laughs> yeah, this uh, this is actually one last thing about marriage, which is uh. about. Um, I feel very lucky. Like when I think about like what, what I feel luckiest about in the world, like, I'm lucky for my daughter. I'm lucky that I found the person in the world, my wife, who understands me the most. And you're so lucky if you find that person. Yeah. That said. <laughs> I love the turn. About once a week, she will stare at me while I'm doing an activity. And she'll just say, what are you doing? And I'll explain what I'm doing. And then she'll just start laughing, not with me, just at me with no one. Yeah. I'll say, why are you laughing? She'll say, no reason. And then that's the end of the conversation. That's the person who understands me the most. <laughs> Which is why sometimes I'm lonely, but for the most part, I'm all right. That's great. It's just sort of the beginning. It's a jumping off point for like talking about stuff. I'll tell you the weird, like the weird thing I thought about marriage. I, I was having sex with Leanne and I was looking in her eyes and I realized these are the eyes I'll see when I die. Mm, and powerful. Then, and I thought, I thought they'll be older then. Yeah. Will I still see 
the beauty that I do. And I realized I would rather be looking at old eyes mm. that I've been with forever than young eyes that are impatient and want to start their second chapter in their life. Because mm. if I get a second wife and 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 she's like, so let's say like let's say I marry a second wife. Thirty three is probably the perfect age to that I go for right now. That's like my, my litmus. So then I die at seventy. She's gonna be like in her fifties. She's gonna be like. I'm still young. I still got a second chapter. She's like, I'm ready to open a, a yoga studio. Like, let's go. Let's die, buddy. Get. I need this inheritance. Let's, let's go. Let's die, buddy. And so, and I go, but Willianne, when I, she'll look at me, she'll be like, "You were my one. You were my one." I think of. I think about death a lot. You I think about death one. a lot. You were my one. You were my boy, Blue. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I love that. Is that in the new special? No, no, no. Have you done it? No, I just. Oh, that's great. I have, sometimes I'll have deep, deeper thoughts that I think oh, that I go. Oh, forget about it. That thing's Demand. done. Throw that on stage. The last thing is working it out for a cause, nonprofit that you like. I don't, we'll, even, we'll, I don't even know what a nonprofit is. Ch charity. <laughs> oh, oh, like is it a charity? <laughs> they go, do you have a nonprofit? And I go, what the fuck's a nonprofit? I go, Mike Propiglia should know me well enough to know I don't... <laughs> Have a I go, uh, big girls, little boys is a good one. And they go, what's that? And I go, it's for small guys that marry taller women. It just oh helps God. them assimilate into society. This is ridiculous. Charity. I'm a, I'm a what's a charity you like? I'm a St. Jude guy. St. Jude's, yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, we'll give to them. We've given them, given to them before. They do a great job. Um, we'll give to them again. We'll link to them in the show notes so that people can, uh, can, can donate as well. Um, Bert, such a joy to talk to you. I could talk to you forever, dude. Forever. I could talk to you forever. When, I can't when, wait to start texting. Yes. I'm gonna text premises to you and go. I know. Is there something here? Working it out, cause it's not done. Working it out, cause there's no. That's gonna do it for another episode of Working It Out. I love that Bert Kreischer. You can follow him on Instagram at, at Bert Kreischer. Uh, his special is out right now on Netflix. His movie's coming out in May. Follow all things Burt Kreischer. Our producers of Working It Out are myself, along with Peter Salamone and Joseph Berbiglia, associate producer Mabel Lewis, consulting producer Seth Barish, assistant producer Gary Simons, Lucy Jones, and Nick Dimitrilakis. Sound mixed by Ben Cruz. Supervising engineer Kate Belinsky. Special thanks to Marissa Hurwitz, Josh Upfall, David Raphael, and Nina Quick. My consigliere's Mike Berkowitz. Special thanks to Jack Antonoff and Bleachers for their music. Jack produced just another great album. That that Lana Del Rey album that's out right now, so good. Uh, special thanks to Jay Hope Stein, my wife, the poet. Little astronaut is in bookstores right now. And if you follow her on Instagram, at Jay Hope Stein, she just put out these beautiful, beautiful broadsides uh, that are signed, like of Little Astronaut, the poem. You can just hang them up in your office or your house. They're just really, really pretty. And some other poems that she wrote. Those are, you can follow her on at Jay Hope Stein on Instagram. Special thanks, as always, to our daughter, Una, who, who built the original Radio Fort made of pillows. Thanks most of all to you who are listening. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. If you have three minutes, tell us what your favorite episode is. We'd love to hear from you in the comments and the reviews. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. You know, that Burt Kreischer is a great example. He just wanted to read a book. <laughs> the David Sedaris story. He just wanted to read a book. Someone goes, and then he goes, what book would you read if you were going to read a book? And the person said David Sedaris. 
and then he picked it up and it changed his life. It changed his darn life. You could be changing lives by recommending this podcast. I'll see you next time, everybody.